As a way of introduction, uh, let me just uh, remind you what we're doing. We're looking at the relationship between our purpose statement, um, our church essentials, and uh, the strategies. And so uh, really the way we have designed this is it's pretty simple in that we want uh, the strategic ministries that we get involved in or that we support to fit underneath of one of our essentials of church ministry. So as we look at the New Testament, we feel like these four essentials are clearly taught. And so uh, all of our strategies must fit underneath and, and spring from one of those uh, essentials. Uh, I thought it would be good for us just to review our essentials for a moment, and I'll give you a clue. Okay, so um, we have four church essentials that we are walking uh, the church through uh, together. Uh, the first one is represented on uh, your left, and that's an arrow down to some people. You remember what essential that is? The text, okay, and that's uh, God to us. This is how God has revealed himself to us. He has done so through other things too, creation, through the Son, the living word, Jesus. But we know he's revealed himself to us today through the word of God. And so uh, that's an important essential for us. Last week we talked about the text and how we try to use it. Uh, the second one there is people and an up arrow. And what essential does that represent? Worship. Okay, good. There'll be, there'll be a test at the very end um, next week. So worship, uh, this is uh, our relationship to God. We think that the text of Scripture speaks of these three relationships uh, from this point on. Uh, so our relationship to God. And so last week we spent some time talking about uh, honoring God in all of our lives. We focused as well. We kind of specialized in looking at our corporate gatherings and thinking about uh, the way we worship. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at the third one right in the center there. What essential is that? Community. So the idea is believers serving and ministering to other believers. Whether those are within your own church or even outside your church, your community goes broader than just a local church. And so uh, this is uh, us to believers, and uh, this is important as well. Um, if you noticed in the song service, um, a lot of our singing today was about the unity that we must experience and know as an assembly. And that's very important to be unified as one. One of the reasons is because it impacts the fourth essential. So what's the fourth one there? You've never seen the picture before, but us with arrows going every direction you could imagine. Mission, okay. So we like to present it in this way because uh, for our church to, to be everything God wants us to be in mission, we must be unified. We must be uh, together, working together. Sure, we can do mission as an individual. We can overcome some of the problems in our church, but it would just be better if we were joined together as one, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's Philippians 1. And uh, this would encourage you to consider the relationship between community and mission. Mission is us to unbelievers. Now, as we uh, draw our attention to that third one, community, um, I want to uh, just, uh, you know, draw your attention to a few things Pastor Paul said. Pastor Paul read Acts 2, 42 through 47. You don't need to turn there. Let me just remind you of some of the descriptions of community there. It says that they devoted themselves together to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. I think that speaks of local church community fellowship or partnership in the body of Christ, to breaking of breads together and, and, and to breaking bread together and, and the prayers. Later on, this text in Acts 2 says, and, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. There you see more uh, community emphasis. They were all together. Later on, uh, verse 46, day by day, they were attending the temple together, breaking breads in their bread, in their homes they received their food and were glad with, with glad and generous hearts. Later on, it says that they're praising God together. They're having favor with all the people. So um, there's a lot there in that text on community. Uh, when we talk about community, we, we're going to use the phrase. We've been using a phrase very similar to this for a while. Pursuing one another through love and good works. Where do you think we would get something like that? 
uh, the text. The text informs that. The text in Hebrews 10, there'll be a verse I, I read to you in a little bit that, that talks about pursuing one another through love and good works. And so uh, this, I think, is a, is a phrase that, that we can use to emphasize the need to engage other people in the body of colonial and beyond other believers with the love of Jesus Christ. Definition for community, one, one definition I, I like, um, it's actually, this is modified a bit from a book called The Compelling Community. Uh, it says community is the mutual commitment or partnership that we experience that transcends all natural bonds because of our commonality in Jesus Christ. The mutual experience, the mutual commitment or partnership that we experience that transcends all natural bonds because of our commonality in Jesus Christ. Okay. Community is hard to define, but it's easy to, uh, to know. It's, it's easy to experience. It's the love that Christians have for each other. They come from different cultures and backgrounds and ethnicities and different ages coming together and loving and accepting each other because we are accepted in Jesus Christ. And so uh, this is uh, toward a, a definition of community there and uh, want to make sure that you uh, keep that in mind. Okay, so I want to get into some specific strategies with you. Uh, my goal uh, at the beginning here is to cover four strategies for community in our church. When I'm done, Pastor Paul will come. He'll take a few and then uh, I'll finish us up. Uh, on community, uh, the first four areas here, the first one is uh, membership, CBC membership. Uh, I'll just make what I think is a significant statement. It's simple, but significant. A healthy church community at Colonial Baptist Church begins with meaningful membership. Healthy church community begins with meaningful membership. And so to cultivate meaningful membership at Colonial, we are emphasizing four things, four ways we're trying to make this important. Number one, we, we conduct membership matters classes regularly, four times a year, about two in the spring, two in the fall. Uh, pastors will conduct membership classes where they will clearly communicate who we are. Okay, so our strategy is not just to try to get everyone to join. That's not our strategy. Our strategy is to just graciously tell people what we believe, what we hold to, you know, as values, and invite them to join us if they hold that as well. Pastors also meet with people in those membership classes to make sure that they've got a salvation testimony where they, they claim that they are following Jesus Christ alone, that they believe in Jesus for their salvation. It's only Christ. And so we meet on that. We make sure that they're also scripturally baptized to be a part of, of our assembly here at Colonial. So one of our strategies for cultivating meaningful membership is to have classes to invite people to come in and join us and to tell them what membership involves. But also uh, reminding one another of our membership commitments. I think this is an important part of being a member of a church like this. It's very easy to forget what membership is, what it involves. And so uh, we want to be reminding ourselves as a congregation of what it means to be a member of Colonial Baptist Church. One of the ways we do this is we've started reading the last three years. We've been reading the personal grace commitment. We do that four times a year when people become members. So if you've never been to a member service, you want to see one of these and you want to come. And so we read this, this, this church kind of constitution or a covenant together where we are reminding each other the sort of obligations that we're making to each other to be members of Colonial Baptist Church. So that's an important part of meaningful membership, reminding one another of our membership commitments. But also pursuing familiarity of membership. As we examine strengths and weaknesses of Colonial Baptist Church, we recognize this is a church of you know, several hundred people. We don't know how many. We never have counted. I'm not allowed to, I hear. Uh, no. Just we've never counted at Colonial. Okay. But it's several hundred people. It's hard to get to know people. It's hard to be familiar with them, to know their names. But this is something we need to work on. We need not only work on knowing names as much as we can, but to be involved in each other's lives. So one of the things we've done to try to help with this is the Church Center app. Okay, and some of you say, well, I don't know. We can still print out some directories, too, for those on paper. But the Church Center app. And, and so through this, this new app, you can have access to every member of Colonial Baptist Church. Okay, you can get their email, their phone number, 
you can contact them. You can tell them you're praying for them. If you're a member, you can do that. Now, one of the ways this app is going to be better is if you would, like, put your picture in here. Okay, and I've been practicing uh, drawings here. So if you would like to, uh, to have a drawing, I could give you an individual drawing, okay? So just be warned. Okay, but uh, if you don't know how to do this, you can go ahead and put it in there. You know, we can have someone help you put a picture in, I mean to say, uh, at the Welcome Center area. They can kind of help you figure that out. But that's just a way for you to see each other's faces as well, become more familiar with names and families and pray. I love to use the member list in the church app as just kind of a prayer reminder and pray through uh, families as well. So you say, well, that's technology. I don't know how helpful it is. Well, we just want to find ways to help you become more familiar with each other and to be praying for each other and serving each other, okay? And then one other, and this is a newer thing. I think our church has done it once before, maybe one or maybe, maybe a few times, but one of the other ways we want to cultivate meaningful membership is uh, we want you to stay aware of changes in membership. Uh, so uh, as fellow members of the body of Colonial, it's important that you stay aware of changes in membership status so what we're going to start doing at our annual me- meetings is we're going to just provide a one-page summary of additions and subtractions to the uh, membership list. Uh, again, this is just for your help. I mean, if you've been around Colonial for a while. You probably, you know, you, you knew someone fairly well, and all of a sudden they showed up missing for a while. And then you, you didn't know if you should ask. Well, you should ask, should I not ask? And then, you know, you ask later and you find out, oh, yeah, three years ago they moved to Pensacola and uh, you just missed it. So annually at our business meeting, we're just going to give a report. We'll say, you know, and, and I don't want you to ever read anything into those. It's just people come and go, and I recognize that. Some will go to different churches, and it's not anything to, you know, be uh, afraid of at all. This is just God's moving and leading in different churches, and so we would just say, you know, moved out of the area or something like this. Just a very brief description, but it's important. If membership's going to be meaningful, you need to know who's coming and going. And so that's something we'll start doing at our annual business meetings uh, just to help you too. Okay, so again, uh, many Baptist churches do that. Okay, I think every Baptist church I've ever been in has had an annual report just to, uh, you know, help people know who's coming and going. So it's, it's nothing that I created. It's nothing new. It's just a way for you to stay aware. Okay, so that's, that's membership. Uh, we want to cultivate meaningful membership. And of course, we know God uh, we'll need to do that significant work for us as well. Adult Bible studies. Of course, several of our ministries as a church could, could find themselves under more than one essential. I remember someone saying once, Awana was, you know, it does every essential. And I agree with that. It's, it's a way our church can serve children and it, it you know, they do every essential in Awana. Adult Bible study, I think you could list this under many of the essentials. Uh, to pursue one another through loving good works by developing deeper community in a smaller group of believers, uh, we, have, we have the adult Bible study ministry. In adult Bible studies, we study the text together, we pray together, and we discuss how the Sunday morning sermon uh, relates to our lives. I think our adult Bible study groups are one of the most important ways that we try to work on community as a middle-sized church. Okay, it's, it's just a way to break the church down a little, little bit, get a little bit smaller so that you can actually get to know people and in getting to know them where you can share each other's burdens, encourage them, and strengthen them. Our ABS classes meet Sunday mornings from 11 till noon normally, not today, but normally. That's our strategy. As we examined uh, the numbers in our church and how many people were coming to uh, adult Bible study classes, uh, we, had a, we had just over 450 adults regularly attending classes in a three-month span uh, in the spring. So over 450 but we have 10 classes. So when you add children to that, the average size adult Bible study, when they would get together for uh, grace gatherings, it would be 60, 65 people or so that would be eligible to come. 
And so the pastors in seeing those numbers and praying through those numbers determine we need more adult Bible study classes. We'd like to keep those numbers a little bit lower so that you can actually get to know people in your group. And so our strategy is this in 2019, in the fall here, we'd like to begin working on a, you know, a pastor-led uh, adult Bible study group. A new, a new class would be born or birth. And um, uh, we, we would have the goal of doing that, uh, working on it together. Uh, some of you could be involved in that as we announce uh, where it's going to be and what it's going to be. I'd encourage you to think and pray about that. Um, and then uh, we're going to assess how that goes. And after doing one and planting one um, within our own assembly here, uh, we would like, to, we have the goal of starting five uh, adult Bible study classes in the next five years. Again, that might be too aggressive, might be not aggressive enough. Um, we do have physical uh, locations on campus for five, uh, but once we get to that point, we'd be about out of room. So that's our goal. That's our strategy to start up some new ones and um, uh, to do it in a very strategic way. So the staff is going to help me do that. Under adult Bible studies, one of the ways that we cultivate community or deepen it is we have grace gatherings. Uh, grace gatherings occur on the what Sunday of every month? Fourth. Okay, good. Sometimes I hear that wrong. It's usually when I'm saying it. But fourth Sunday of every month, we gather together for the grace gatherings. Uh, this is just uh, a time we, we cancel services on campus, and uh, we encourage the body to engage in in uh, meetings in more casual locations in homes uh, according to their adult Bible study groups. So the adult Bible study leaders, they lead that, and so that's our typical grace gatherings. Now, here's a, a change, okay? Uh, as we looked at the name of grace gatherings, what we suggested to the deacons, they approved as well, and just hearing it, um, was we would like to change the name of grace gatherings to community gatherings, still be based out of adult Bible studies, uh, but we would just like to do that so that the goal of the group just becomes more transparent with both members and guests. So guests know, okay, these gatherings are for the purpose of community and church fellowship. So um, you never know what changes some people think are major or minor, but this is something the pastors have been praying about for a while, and uh, we'd like to call it community gatherings to make the goal of those gatherings more transparent. Uh, we'd like to start doing that in the fall here, just a few weeks. Um, next, uh, next item is church services. I didn't want us to, uh, you know, when we first went through this and developed this as pastors, we didn't have this category, but then I just realized, or we realized, that this is a significant way to deepen community. You know one way you can deepen community? By being faithful to the services that your church leadership uh, sets up and runs. Every church has different services. Some have one, two, three, four. I don't know if anyone has more than that today. But as pastors, we pray about services that we would call you to come and be a part of. And one of the ways you can deepen community is by coming. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, talk about that, meeting together, pr provoking each other to love and good works and and to do so, so much the more as we see the day drawing near. And so uh, by coming to church services, you can deepen community and uh, God can strengthen our church in that way. And then finally, neighbors gather. I don't feel like I need to say a lot about this. We just went through this to develop meaningful relationships with other members in, who live in the same geographical area of the Hampton Roads. We broke up this summer and in, uh, into several different homes uh, for 10 weeks to have neighbors gather. Um, so throughout the summer, we met regionally in homes on Wednesday evenings from 7 to 8. We discussed the sermon, we prayed, and uh, we had snacks together. Of course, we're Baptists, right? So snacks in some of those locations. Um, uh, two things here. Uh, we're going to modify it a bit uh, next summer in that the sermon discussion will uh, be in anticipation of the sermon instead of in response to the sermon. We do a lot of responding to the sermon and thinking about it, but uh, as a way to get our church family like engaged in the passage before it's actually proclaimed on Sundays, we're going to write up some questions. Pastors will be produce some questions 
to help you start thinking about the text before it's preached. Uh, so it'll be a slight modification. And then Neighbors Gather, we plan to continue to do during summers um, for the next several years so that our church can uh, just enjoy getting to know other believers who live in the same area of the Hampton Roads and, and fellowship that way. At this time, I'm going to hand it over to Paul Campbell. He's got a list of some things he's going to go through when he's done. I'll need about five or ten minutes, and uh, we'll close it up here. Thanks for that picture, Brent. <clears throat> All right. Uh, first thing I wanted to uh, talk about is um, discipleship. I was thinking, um, remembering as a reminder that as we think about these different ministries and things that we do, the structure, just remembering that um, we ought to be pursuing people too, not, not just being a part of the ministry, but pursuing people. So we use the term uh, discipleship or making disciples in a couple of different ways. In one way, we, in, a, in a missional way, right? We'll talk about that a little bit next week. Um, and the other way we use it is so one way is to bring people to Christ. The other way is to draw people closer to Christ. See that? Making disciples. We're, we're um, involved in discipleship. So as we pursue one another to love and good works uh, by ministering the word together in discipleship. So I think of texts like uh, 2 Timothy uh, 2. You, you can flip around with me. We'll be all over the scriptures. You can flip around or scroll, whatever you do, if you brought your scroll. Um, uh, 2 Timothy 2, sorry, all right. 2 Timothy 2, um, uh, this is what he says. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men. Okay? Who will be able to teach others also? So, Paul to Timothy, to faithful men, to other people ministering what they have been taught, what they have heard. And this ought to be characteristic of what we do here as uh, followers of Jesus at Colonial. Um, you think of texts like uh, the, uh, so think of uh, Colossians 1.28, says this, Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So, how's that going? How's it going? Um, we ought to be involved in discipleship. Who are you, say it this way, who are you currently discipling? Who are, who, think in your mind, who are you currently discipling? Um, Ephesians 4, that great equipping text, equipping to do the work of the ministry speaking the truth in love, later on in verse 15 it says, so that the body would build itself up in love. Verse 16 says in chapter 4, Ephesians. So, how's that going? Um, husbands ought to be discipling wives. Parents ought to be discipling children. Pursuing children. Um, in the body, we ought to be discipling each other. So, um, you know, the uh, the we're going to be equipped to do this through the normal listening and hearing, applying the word on a regular basis each time we meet together. Um, we also have, you know, these equipping electives on Wednesday. They're going to be helpful with that. Uh, we want to be able to provide resources for you, too. If you're like, I really want to go through a book with somebody and help them think through uh, this particular topic. Or I was thinking of a book called One-to-One um, -one Bible Reading. It's, it's really profound. Like one person getting together with one person. No, that's two people all together. And reading the Bible. Really? And that's what this, this book is about, to help us think through how to do that. One-to-one -one Bible reading by David Helm is a really good resource. Uh, but if you wanted uh, help with purchasing that, we, we, have, um, we have the ability to do that. Um, so, uh, and, and then one-to-one -one discipleship. Think, uh, I think last week uh, counseling was discussed as well and, and that kind of, kind of an intensive um, discipleship. So as we think about the different people in our church, um, I want to take time now to remember, uh, to, to think about the care of members, what that looks like. 
Um, and um, I, I think of texts like this. Look at Luke chapter 4 real quick. As Jesus starts his ministry after he's been tempted in Luke chapter 4, this is kind of a summary of what he's going to be doing in the gospel of Luke. And um, you see it throughout, even, even before uh, this, uh, in, uh, in chapter 4, in chapters 1 through 3, you see um, this emphasized. And this is what he says in chapter 4, verse, look at verse 18 with me. Um, this is what he reads from Isaiah when um, he goes to the synagogue. Uh, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love this. And he rolled the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and all the people were looking at him. <laughs> and all the eyes, and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. Like, what did he just say? That's Christ. And that, this is what he's going to be doing. What is, what is he going to be doing? He's going to be pursuing the outcasts, the people that are, that are, um, are uh, maybe marginalized in society, who are going through really difficult things, and you'll see that through the miracles and healings that he does throughout the Gospel of Luke. Not to, to the neglect of others, um, as, as we'll see as well in the Gospel of Luke, um, but, uh, but especially for those who are, are in need. So, have a special eye for people in need, looking for ways to help. Talk about it a little bit in Acts chapter 2 this morning. Um, so, first of all, I wanted to talk about widows and widowers. Uh, James chapter 1 um, says this. It's, it's in here somewhere, isn't it? There it is. James chapter, chapter 1, uh, verse uh, 27. Re religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So we're going to talk about those two first, widows and orphans. Um, first, widows. We see in 1 Timothy 5 there ought to be a special attention given to uh, people that are struggling like widows especially widows. And so um, uh, in each of these, there's uh, an emphasis on what kind of the pastors are going to be doing, should be doing, what the deacons are, should be doing, and what uh, specifically what should be happening in and through ABS classes. Like Pastor Brent said, we want to focus there. It's one of the reasons why a few years ago, we, um, instead of doing the ABS class before the service, we switched it around because we really wanted to focus on that being um, a, uh, a conduit where uh, community happens in and through uh, ABS, you know, through the teaching of the word in ABS and uh, throughout the week as you build relationships with those people in your ABS class. Um, so uh, what one exhortation would be that ABS classes would remain aware of widows and widowers that, that are in their class and specifically reach out to them and care for them. Pastors, the same. The deacons uh, have already taken on some of these responsibilities, and um, uh, they want to work with the Jewels. It's a, a ministry um, uh, for, for widows, the Jewels, and um, they want to help care for, for some physical needs there. They want to maintain the list of widows we see in 1 Timothy 5. Regular communication to widows, and be just being aware of their physical needs, helping them. And um, that's where the deacons have really... Are, are really able to step up and, and help there. Distributing funds when needed through the Deacon's Fund. Um, offer counsel to widows and widowers. You know, just think, as you think about making decisions um, and uh, financial decisions or um, whatever the case may be, uh, we want to be able to help in those ways. Um, orphans. Um, this is a, a, a difficult one as well. Um, people People have, have different opinions on what, what makes up an orphan. Some people say, well, it's somebody that doesn't have a mom or a dad. Some would say, well, no, an orphan is someone that doesn't have either a mom or a dad, um, has one or the other maybe. What, whatever the, the case may be, I think we ought to have a special attention to, to youth, to teens, to children. And that's, that's what that, that um, are in a difficult situation like that. And that's, that's where, where I want to focus as a youth pastor and really think through it. You know, we have a, a, on the youth staff, the volunteer adults that work with the teens, we have a, a, a list we call it the care list. And we want to be keeping track of people that are going through difficult uh, things. And one, one is um, those who might be orphans or widows or you think about um, teens that we sometimes have in our youth ministry that don't have believing parents. 
And we want to give special attention to them. Not, not to the neglect of others, but they don't have, they go home and they don't have anybody. So um, we, we want to give uh, grace upon grace and uh, patience and love and care uh, for widows. Um, we have no father or mother, however that may be. ABS class is aware of this as well. Um, uh, pastors and deacons want to be able to look in this way too. Well, one thing uh, we wanted to mention here, and um, due to increased vulnerability that orphans have to predators, statistically, it's really sad. We, um, we have put together, John Fulberg helped us put something together, and um, it's called the Molestation and Abuse Policy. Uh, that we'll be implementing, um, Lord willing, we want to uh, put that into place in uh, January on January 1st. Thankfully, this is not um, in response to something that's happened. And praise the Lord for that. I mean, oftentimes churches they, they go through something that that something terrible that happened, like molestation or abuse to a young child, and they're like, okay, we know we got to fix something. You do, but thankfully, um, uh, it's not in response to something that's happened. But um, this is something that needs to be put in place. Be very careful, especially with those who are orphans, and um, and because of their increased vulnerability there. So, um, at, as we think through, we we would really appreciate your prayers, especially as uh, those working with uh, teens and children. That includes many of us in here, in thinking through exactly how to implement this, being careful, um, uh, but still able to to be involved in discipleship. So, please uh, pray for. Um, uh, f- for this process. Um, also, um, what about deserted and abandoned spouses? Uh, we we want to be aware. Uh, a- ABS classes want to be aware of people that uh, in our church whose spouses have left them and give uh, attention to them and look for ways to help, provide for needs. And um, pastors want to help uh, counsel those that have been deserted or abandoned in this way. Um, and uh, that's an ongoing thing. Uh, what about shut-ins? You know, we have people that are members of our church that can't come on Sunday mornings. And it's, like, really sad. They're, they're, this is not a happy thing for them. And we really want them. We consider them to be a part of our body. We want to, we want to know them and get to know them. And it seems like the longer they're unable to come to the church gathering, the more and more increasingly disconnected they become. So we want to we want to keep keep track of who those people are, and we do. And we we have members, we have deacons that do a lot of visiting. I mean, just quietly doing um, ministry, uh, serving people, visiting people, praying with them, reading the word with them. And um, I'll just tell you, it is such a blessing. You you think you're just going to bless them, you know, when you show up, but what an encouragement, oftentimes. It is to hear from them and hear of their faithfulness to Christ and the Bible studies they're leading in the nursing homes. I'm like, oh man, this is so good. Um, so the strategy, what, some of the things that we do is, um, you know, we, um, we want them to have access to our, uh, the sermons that are preached here on Sunday mornings. And so that's why we do the, the video and the website. Um, it's one of the reasons uh, for, for uh, shut-ins, CBC members who are shut-ins especially. Um, uh, the pastors re- review the, the strategies to review the, the list weekly and visit shut-ins occasionally as needed, visit phone calls. Deacons volunteer uh, to do this often as well, which has been really sweet to see, and church, church members are doing this, which is uh, a, sweet, a sweet blessing. Um, so as we maintain the list of, of those who are shut-ins, um, homebound. Um, what about sick members? Uh, we this can be difficult sometimes because not everybody calls and says, hey, I'm sick, you know. Um, but uh, as we hear of needs, we, uh, we try to maintain a list of people that are in, in the hospital that need to be visited and checked up on. So, some people are like, yeah, I'm sick in the hospital. Don't visit me. You know, it's fine. A little more private, and that's fine. Um, uh, but as, as we pray and call and interact with them is what we want to just be an encouragement to people who are struggling. Um, the pastors also have an have a, like a, an on call like emergency day. So like my day is Monday. So if there's like an emergency that comes up, um, and uh, 
I just know that I got to keep some time free just in case I need to go and visit somebody. And each of the pastors, pastors and some of the staff guys will, will make visits uh, um, as needed if an emergency comes up. Hey, this is so-and-so's gotten a car accident and they're there. Okay, we're there. We're going right now. Um, and uh, that's been, a, that's been a, a lot of fun and difficult and a blessing. So um, anyway, so you think about the things that are needed when people get sick, meals, child care, transportation. Um, um, we, we hope that ABS, ABS classes are aware of these needs and are jumping on those things, and oftentimes they are. Uh, so pastors want to help with that. ABS classes, deacons are helping this way as well, which, is, which has been really sweet um, uh, to, to be able to visit the sick members and hospitalized members of our church. Um, the next thing is uh, grace supplies. Grace supplies is um, is a way that we can uh, uh, we can be a blessing to people who are struggling financially. Um, for those people in the body, it's it's a it's um, sometimes just a, a quiet ministry that happens, and it's not often uh, mentioned. And but as we talk with people and encourage people to 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 go and help get help from Grace Supplies. So Grace Supplies, you can get uh, material goods such as clothes, shoes, car seats, strollers, etc. The list says all, all kinds of stuff in there. Um, but it, it's a great way for members to be exchanging goods. We donate goods to Grace Supplies and, um, and also uh, take part in, in receiving uh, um, food items, gift cards, th- things like that. So um, I hope that you'll take advantage of not, not Sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want you to be a burden. I don't want to be a... No, it, it's there for a reason. We want to be able to help, and um, you can uh, make use of that. Uh, so I think of texts like Acts 2, 2 that we read this morning. You know, we're, we're a people who, when there's a need, we want to help. And that text always shocks me that people are selling their stuff to give to a need. It's like, let's think about what things we can sell when we see someone in need. Not, I mean, maybe many of us don't even think that way because we have just extra money. But these people don't have extra money, so they're selling stuff that they have to give to people in need, which is a, which is a sweet blessing, which, um, which I've seen people do in this church, and it has been awesome. Praise the Lord. Um, uh, the Deacon's Fund. We uh, think of the Deacon's Fund... Um, uh, from texts like 1 John 3, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Verse 17 says this, if, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So the Deacon's Fund, we take an offering, as you, as, as you know, every single month, uh, immediately following our, our communion, uh, the Lord's Table, uh, we take that offering, and that money goes to members who are going through difficult members or missionaries who are struggling financially. And let me just say that has been such a blessing to so many people. Your y'all's y'all's uh, kindness and giving, and um, has just been so helpful to people that have an unexpected um, expense that it will just be a real challenge for them to cover financially, and. Um, and because of your giving, the deacons are able to distribute that to, to uh, many people. And um, so uh, th- those are some ways that we can be, be caring for each other, looking out for each other's needs. And so I, I hope that we have eyes for people in need. And as we move forward, we're thinking those kinds of categories, pastors and deacons, but also like ABS classes specifically. Like, like Pastor Brent said, it's like th- that's, that's our way to like make sure everybody how to make a how do you make a big church small well this is one way through our abs classes we're pursuing one another uh, to love and good works pastor brent all right so if you're a visual learner uh, pastor paul has worked us through discipleship and then most of his conversation was about caring for members. We looked at like six different groups in the body that we feel especially the New Testament would call for us to serve and demonstrate. As we were taking time over the course of the last year to write down the strategy statements, which, by the way, we're just giving you the highlights. So, you know, we talked about widows, widowers, uh, orphans. You know, we, we went through the whole list of 
of people that he just mentioned. Each one, we've got six or eight maybe guiding statements that, that we prepared to, to help us stimulate the body to reach out and to minister and to care for people who have special needs in our church. So that's what he was working through there. Um, my wife had a great idea. Uh, Grace Supplies, one of the things we just mentioned. Some of you might not know much about it. It's in the Nehemiah building, um, second room in the Nehemiah building, if you're coming in from the front, or children's ministry building. And uh, it's a way for you to donate. You can donate stuff on Sundays and uh, be a part of uh, Grace Supplies if you'd like to in that way. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to look at the last two bullet points and go pretty quickly. Hospitality and then picnics and conferences. Um, under hospitality, uh, we're really talking about hospitality at our corporate gatherings, okay? That's what we're trying to collect under this bullet point. And they're just two, two things that we design and we put into your normal Sunday experience that we wanted you to be aware that there's a reason why we're doing it, okay? One of them is called the greeting time. Okay, this is usually pretty controversial in most churches. Some people love the greeting time. Some people hate it. Okay, and uh, we've done all kinds of research. We batted this back and forth. We've canceled it. We've thought, you know, but for the, meet, for the short while, we're going to continue these greeting times as a way to encourage you to just spend, you know, just a few moments encouraging each other in the body. You never know what could happen. Just that little one or two minute conversation. You might get to know someone a little bit better. It could give you an opportunity to follow up on and and get more involved in their life. So uh, there's a reason why we do it. It's not just that, you know, our services aren't long enough. So let's put this three minute transition. It's not like we're trying to get people up on stage either. I hate, anyway, we won't get into that. But, uh, um, you know, this is a specific time for you to just look for a way to encourage or be encouraged. We want everyone to feel welcome, both guests and, and members during that time. So we encourage you to take advantage of that. And then you're thinking, when is the other time on a Sunday that we schedule time for community other than you've already covered adult Bible study? It's the coffee fellowship time, uh, the grace gatherings time. Uh, the, this is the 20 to 25 minutes between our morning service and adult Bible study. It is designed for both larger group community and or smaller group community as members encourage one another through conversations in the auditorium, the welcome center, the grace grounds, classroom, outside, doesn't matter. But it's, it's our chance to slow down a bit on a Sunday and share life one with one another. Uh, and so we encourage you to participate in those times. Don't just like run to a closet where you don't have to enter. Don't go out to your car and say, I'll come back when the teaching time starts. By the way, I don't know of anyone doing that. I'm not thinking of anything uh, in particular. Um, you know, it's, it's just, and we've wrestled with this as pastors. You, you'd be shocked with how much time we've spent talking about the 20, 25 minutes in between services. Is that long enough? Is it too long? Is it, do we want to eliminate that? We've thought of moving service times. I have no announcement on that for you today. It's going to remain as is right now, but we've talked about moving service times and then that interferes with that 20, 25 minutes and then we negotiate back and forth and, you know, I usually tackle one of the other pastors and then, uh, no, we, we just had a good time talking about it. This is important for us to think about ways to encourage each other on a Sunday. Okay, so again, uh, hospitality is important to us, even at the corporate gatherings, and so um, that's why we've got that coffee fellowship time. Finally, uh, the last bullet point is picnics and conferences. Uh, church picnics are strategic for us. We have these to encourage new and broader and deeper community. Our goal is to provide opportunities for deep and broad relationships throughout the body by occasionally gathering as a corporate body to share a meal with one another. Our current strategies have three annual picnics, Reformation Celebrations one, Labor Day picnic, Memorial Day picnic, and the deacons work feverishly to prepare these days, to set them up. This is not just a deacon thing. Our staff tries to help them and many members help. I think our last deacon fellowship, I think we had, uh, I'm gonna mess it up. I think it was 70, 68, 70 workers or something who jumped right in across the body to help set up and do that. We encourage you to help and participate in these. I think this is important even for adult Bible study groups. You know, you can get 
used to fellowshipping your own entity. I want, I want to challenge adult Bible study groups to think about picnics and how your group can participate and reach out to a, a more diverse segment of our church population. Okay, it's, it's really easy to kind of surround yourself with your friends, and we, we're, you know, we're really encouraging you to do that, but also think about there are other people in the assembly that maybe you don't know as well, maybe they come from a diverse background, that at a picnic you can work to get to know and to encourage them and just be sensitive to spirits leading and trying to, to help them. And so uh, that's why we have picnics. And then uh, occasional conferences like the Grace Essentials Conference or family retreats in, in, in a year or so, we're going to start those. Uh, we, of course, are doing those for equipping primarily, but secondarily, we recognize that if you come together and you spend the weekend together thinking about one of the essentials, hearing good preaching and teaching during all the breaks, during all the time, you will have opportunities to interact with with believers and encouraging each other uh, as well at this corporate gathering. So these last, you know, hospitality picnics and conferences, this is just about when we gather on campus, uh, but we wanted to, to let you know that there's a reason why uh, we're, there are many reasons why we're doing some of these. So we trust God for his wisdom and strength. Uh, a church strategic plan is as good as a church will commit to it and to consider it. And so we want to encourage you to give us feedback. We want to make it better. As we think about community, um, I, I, I feel that uh, our commitment to community is, uh, is very important. I, I feel as a church, we need to grow. Uh, we need to grow in getting to know each other, seeing each other, and ministering to each other more, more frequently. Um, I think that this is one of the keys to mission. Um, as we grow closer together in community, I think our mission will be more effective. And so we put it specifically right here uh, for us to consider uh, as a church together. I want to close in this way today. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And I thought it'd be good for us to read the personal grace commitment uh, together before I pray and dismiss us. So I think it's the next slide. Are you going to click through? I'll let, I have a hard enough time reading and clicking. So. All right, so uh, let's read this together. Perhaps you've never read this with us. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a perfect commitment, but uh, this is meant to provoke us to think about ways that we should be serving the body here and the sort of commitment that we have to live uh, before each other and with each other. So let's read this together out loud. Having been led by the grace of God through the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit, to repent of my sin and in faith turn to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and having given public testimony of this faith through baptism, I now joyfully and solemnly enter into this commitment with the members of Colonial Baptist Church. I will endeavor through the power of the Holy Spirit to support the articles of faith in the church constitution, to walk in love, to remember one another in prayer, to help one another in times of need, to exercise gentleness, fairness, and humility in my dealings with those in the church, to speak the truth in love, to be faithful in my responsibilities and commitments, and to honor my fellow members through both sexual purity and personal integrity while abstaining from things or practices which may bring harm to my faith or the faith of another. I will endeavor to faithfully participate in times of worship, prayer, study, and fellowship with other believers, to build up the church by using my spiritual gifts in ministry, to contribute cheerfully and regularly for the ministry and expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel to the world. I will endeavor to practice personal and family worship, to train my children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, and to seek the salvation of my relatives, friends, neighbors, co-workers, and acquaintances. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, uh, we are so thankful for the collective group that you've brought together at this time at Colonial Baptist Church. 
Lord, I pray that we would all see what a gift it is to be able to share fellowship with other believers in this assembly. Lord, you know that we are not a perfect church. We must grow in many ways to be like the church at Antioch, to be what you would want us to be. But Father, I pray that you would bless us and strengthen us. If there are areas that we need to shore up, I pray that uh, you would give us wisdom in knowing how to do so. I pray especially for those in our assembly who are the most vulnerable, who are going through difficult life situations, trials, they're sick or abandoned or widowed or widowers. I pray for orphans. Lord, we, we need to be good at ministering to parts of the body who are struggling. I pray, Lord, that our congregation would know how important this discussion has been today. And I pray, Father, that our church might grow better. It doesn't have to rely upon a strategy, sixfold, eightfold, ninefold. Father, I just pray that your spirit would lead us, that we would be sensitive to care for others in the assembly. May we care enough to get to know them, to encourage them, to point out sin when they wander the wrong way, to pray for one another. And we thank you, Lord. We know that the defining mark of a church, of followers of Jesus, is their love for one another. I pray, Father, that that would be always true of Colonial. I pray for anyone in our assembly who has an issue, who is angry, who um, is withholding friendship from another believer. I pray that today they would have freedom to forgive, to love, and to care. I pray that they would have courage, if necessary, to talk with the other believer to make sure that true unity is found. Thank you for the basis of unity being Christ's work on our behalf. He provided reconciliation between us and God. He also provided reconciliation between Jew and Gentile, people of diverse backgrounds coming together to worship Christ. Lord, may we uh, minister and serve in such a way that we would always treat that union as important. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.